What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Win Win Effect podcast presented by Winject Studios. I am your host, Chris Ross. And if you're new to us, welcome. Really excited and blessed to have you here for the first time. The outcome that we're after in each episode of this show is to introduce you to as many people as I cross paths with to inspire and help you, our listeners, to manifest anything you want out of life. How I go about achieving this is one heartbeat, one mission, one outcome, that's success. Our featured guest for this week is a former attorney turned licensed and national certified counselor, author, and recovering perfectionist, Catherine Ely. She specializes in teaching people how their limiting beliefs and specifically perfectionism retract people and keep them from being fully satisfied in life. Her expertise has been highly sought after over the last couple of years, especially with her creating her own program, The Eight Domains to Gain More Clarity, allowing your values to be your compass in life, and to thrive in high-pressure moments. Last but not least, make sure you check out my guest appearance on her podcast show, Imperfect Thriving. Before we kick this up a couple notches, stand by for a quick message, and let's go ahead and start today's show. This podcast is part of the Winject Studios Network, where podcasters come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how to apply to join the network, go to www.winject.com. That's W-I-N-J-E-C-T dot com. If you're ready to make a difference through podcasting, then we're ready to see you there. What is up, everybody? Welcome to today's show. As you can see, I have my imperfect thriving specialist that I was a guest on her show um, recently. Ms. Cal, how are you doing? You doing okay? I'm great. How are you? I'm phenomenal now that I'm talking to you. I've been looking forward to this, you know, um, I wouldn't say really interview episode. I mean, I'm, I'm getting excited for every single one. But then again, when I was on your show, I think it was last week, my, all my days bleed together. I think it was last week. When I came on your show, you allowed me to, I guess, be vulnerable enough and be in feeling, I guess you would say, in a spot and holding space where I didn't feel like I was going to be judged. And I was able to relive a certain moment and relive a memory and looking at a different perspective when it came to my older sister. And I really appreciate that. I know that I, I kind of just gave you that shout out before we oh. hit record, but I think it's important for me to kind of mention that because it really meant a lot to me. Thank you again. Well, thank you. I might get a little bit weepy over that because as a counselor, that's like the highest compliment you can pay me is that you felt like you were in a safe place where you wouldn't be judged. So right. I it, that. Yeah, no, it, I couldn't, I mean, to be honest with you, like it, it really meant a lot to me because I, you know, you know this and, and for the listeners that don't know this, I spent a lot of time in, in the nighttime and in a lot of time in the first part of the morning with no technology, no nothing, just me, my own memories, my like I've write a lot of things down on a piece of paper because, you know, using technology is a piece of purpose. I get lost in notifications or whatnot. So I spent a lot of time and, you know, being grateful for things, writing those out. Some, some things that, you know, popped up in my day and I'll go back and relive those memories or reflecting on my own thoughts. And that way I'm able to kind of, I guess, rechannel things and get in a zone to where I'm able to make an impact in other people's lives. And that's how, that's my ritual. And I'm sure you do something similar. Do you do something yes. similar like that? I do. I have a morning routine. Um, I get up very early every morning to take my son to swim practice. And I have a morning routine with particular questions that I ask myself every morning 
to be mindful and intentional with my focus. And then I have like a weekly routine where I sort of look back over the week and then set my intentions for the next week. Right. So what are those types of, like how long is that list? The list is very short. It's only about four questions that I ask myself and I ask myself the same questions every day to keep me focused on what is most important to me. I never lose sight of that because that's my compass. That's what guides me in every decision that I make every single day. Right. And that's something that you, uh, I've seen a lot in your content is that you allow your values to be your compass that, that leads you through life and never forgetting those values. And sometimes it might change through time. Absolutely. I found it in a lot of people that I do come in contact with, they don't spend a lot of time in their own thoughts and they don't spend a lot of time, I guess, dice, um, like really investigating what their values are and core values. And if they aren't aligned on what they're doing for a living or what they're, you know, their day-to-day operations or how they're living mm-hmm. a life. And they wonder why they're not receiving a lot of fulfillment and they don't feel like they're living a life that they want to live. I mean, I know you have a lot of clients, a lot of pay, um, a lot of things that you do, you know, and especially with, that's why I love your show, the podcast that you have, because you. it, you're welcome. And it gives people a different way of consuming your content without just sitting in your chair. I guess you would say. Yeah. Yeah. That's the absolute hmm. whole purpose of the podcast is to help as many people as I can, because there's only so many hours a day to help them individually in my office. Absolutely. Um, The first couple seasons for myself of this show, and I had Wes Bays and I was lucky enough to have him come on the show to be a co-host and to kind of get out, flesh out the information out of my mind. And it really helped me in my business because I took the two programs that I got nationally accredited for the trade schools in America. And that was a way for me to not train all those trade schools, the 60 corporations that did rebranding and they have the show and they have the, um, the, the sales programs and the business programs. I didn't have to train them because they listened to the first couple seasons of the show. And that mm-hmm. was great for me because, you know, they didn't really need me for all the ins and outs and like need and need training. They reached out to me and I had a meeting every week and I kind of went through some stuff. So I, that's how I view podcasting. It's yeah. just a way for people to consume the content, however they view it or however they consume it. Could be by audio. I'm an audio person, not really much mm-hmm. video because I get sidetracked, but mm-hmm. audio is important for me. I mean, how do you, how do you consume content the best way? I think I'm the same way. I think audio. I've taken to audio books big time, too. Um, I love to um, listen to podcasts and audio books while I'm exercising. It's like I'm getting all of this oxygen to my brain and I feel like I have the most clarity when I'm doing that. So I can really focus in on what I'm listening to. So I listen to podcasts like every morning when I'm exercising. Um, I love to listen. I, th- I mean, that's what I do. I listen. Right. Have you ever done a Colby test? No. What is Colby, that? Colby test, it kind of goes through and it kind of gives you a little bit more insights on how you operate as an individual, maybe an entrepreneur, salesperson. I mean, it doesn't really matter what you do for a living. Just kind of understanding your personality type and, and what you kind of lean in on the most and some things you shy away from. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about myself that way and I've learned it my Colby test it, I was able to kind of consume information and I was a fast starter, but I was make sure that everybody was on the same page or 
like beating on that one same drum and it made so much more sense to me after like i guess looking at the report i'm like wow i'm a little nuts but it was like um i sent it over to justin breen do you know justin breen is have i introduced I you to him justin, no yeah he's yeah. phenomenal he's interviewed probably oh i don't know how many business entrepreneurs probably 200,000 or so he wrote a book it's an international best selling book he came on the show recently i think probably maybe 2 months ago or so He's mm -hmm. the one that shared it with me and I shared on my results and he was like, whoa, you're complete. This is a rare, <laughs> this is a rare, not that it was great. It was just a rare, I guess, results for someone that what, what I do for a living is that now it makes more sense on oh, how you're okay. able to make that impact because you're, mm -hmm. it's like a mask that I put on. But when people get to know me a little bit more, they know that I'm really, I guess I find a way to relate to them in any way. And that's right. the connection piece that I'm able to cut through cut through, I guess you would say the noise and cut through the layers and break through and get to like the, the inner self, their inner essence and the nucleus of the core of them. Right. And I, I find, and the reason why I'm framing it the way I'm framing it, you do that effortlessly as well. Have okay. you ever sat back and thought about how you're able to frame some of your questioning to get to that, I guess, the nitty and gritty of what they're all about? Yeah, I think it comes from these several different variables one that i was educated and was a lawyer to begin with so yes. i learned analytical thinking you know i sat in the classes where it it was the socratic method and you had to sort of get to the bottom of everything and figure out the questions that are going to take you there so i think that part of my education is actually crucial to what I do. And then at the bottom, there is a specific theoretical underpinning from which I approach every client and every interview. So my questions stem from really all of that put together with trying to figure out the need that's driving the behavior that my clients want to change. Okay. So, so it's that, need that, that, right, that makes sense. So there's a lot of framing questions and funnel questions. And a lot of maybe sometimes third party questions that usually help me. It's like, so what was it fair to say that blah, 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 yes. blah, blah. And then kind of yeah. like you, you would put that there. So if they're getting close, it's kind of like when, when I asking those types of questioning tactics, I guess you would say, I'm trying to get them to see what I'm seeing and sharing that vision. And once they kind of can visualize it themselves, then they can put it in their own words and I can paraphrase from there. Exactly, exactly. So it's open-ended questions at the beginning until yes. I can form a hypothesis. And then I float that hypothesis out there to see if that is really what's going on. And usually they're like, yes, 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 that's exactly it. Right. I love that about you. And I, mean, I picked that up in some of your content is that you ask really good questions to get to that hypothesis, right? And it kind of have understanding and then you're not trying to jump to a conclusion, though. You're just trying to get ask more questions from there. But it's a little bit more structured questions to get to the core and the root, which I love. I had a, a recent, um, I guess, encounter with um, a lawyer. It's a barrister. They call a barrister here mm -hmm. um, in the UK. And I was asking questions. He's like, I listened to your show. And I was blown away by the messages that he was sending in because I had no idea who he was. And they were sitting in and my, and my team sent me the feedback. And he said he loves listening to it. It's actually helped him become, you know, be a better lawyer and a barrister for himself. And I was like, wow, I was like, damn, I never would have imagined it. It would have been, you can use some of the things that I've actually been teaching people for years and years and years. And of course, that's the you know, name of the show, the win-win effect. 
that's the methodology I've honed in on and developed over the years. It's not that it's something that no one else has maybe thought of and come up with. I just use it what's best for me and my way of thinking to get what I need from that person to ensure they're going to win. Everyone's got to win. But I guess different when it comes to like a legal field. But you're so intuitive, like you get in tune with the person that you're talking to very quickly. And it's almost like you get to their needs by a lot more than just verbal communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a fair assumption. I know that we had a conversation about and if guys, if you haven't listened to her show and when I was a guest on, I think it's coming out in a couple of weeks. Make sure that, you know, by the time this one comes out, it should be already launched. She asked me some really good questions and I was able to expose, she was able to expose some things that, and I've been on some high level shows, like big, huge entrepreneurs that didn't even get through those levels. And for you to pick up on how intuitive I am, I get a lot of that sometimes. And I, sometimes I shy away from compliments and that does mean a lot to me. I appreciate it. Um, that comes from nonverbal communication from my older sister to where she wasn't able to communicate with me verbally. So I picked up on that at a very young age and was able to kind of like read people from what they're not telling me. And I can sniff out the bullshit pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty quickly. I can sense when you're full of crap, you know, and like you don't know what you're talking about. And then I'm going to keep asking those questions where I'm not going to be offensive, but right. I'm still going to get, I'm still going to get to the core and the root and cut through you. So but in a good way, right? Yeah. yeah. It exposed you. Um, yeah. I was on a, I was interviewing Mike Diamond um, and he's um, the interventionist. He's been sober for 15 years. He was on Miami Inc., New York Inc. He knows some, you know, obviously great, phenomenal people. He's got a show with Dave Meltzer as well. Um, it's going to be on Bloomberg TV. Um, he's actually a business partner of mine on, on one of the supplements he does. And he actually helps people um, where they're not going to relapse if they're taking like a pre-workout pill, you know, mm-hmm. so or pre-workout, like what is it called? Like a shake. Anyways. Yeah. He talked about it because people that people don't put in the work in the time where no one's watching, they get exposed in the bright lights. And I love the way that he said that because it's mm-hmm. true. How much do you see that in your profession? Oh yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit. It's, you know, it, to me, it's a very simple thing to live by my values, but it wasn't always so clear. I yeah. think, that our world is so loud and so busy. It's like you said earlier, people don't really sit down and reflect that often about who they are. And when you don't know who you are, you don't know what you want. If you don't know what you want, you don't know in what direction to head. Mm -hmm. So it's just so absolutely crucial um, to get down to what you want your life to look like and what, what is most important to you. Because until you do, you can't reach the level of satisfaction in your life that you can when when you're right on track. So when you pick up on something like that, when you're communicating with someone and they're not able to, I guess you would say, have that way of understanding, like how do you go about handling that with them? It's a multifaceted process. And a lot of times, well, first I have to get down to what the negative core beliefs are that this person has come into my office, right? Usually it's anxiety. I specialize in anxiety. Oftentimes it's depression. And we have to get to the bottom of the negative critical self-talk. What do they say to themselves? If If you're a perfectionist, like I'm a recovering perfectionist, and if you have anxiety, 
it is oftentimes this thought of not enough, not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, some offshoot of that. Um, there's also not worthy. There's also unlovable. And these are the most common core beliefs. So we get to the bottom of that first. What's going on there and start separating from that thought. Then, one question, one question yeah. just real quick, not to cut you off, but do you do that by non-verbal? Do you do that by like maybe questionnaires that they fill out prior or do you do that in person? I do that in person. It's usually the second appoint, appointment with me and we do what's called a genogram. Have you ever heard of a genogram? Yes. Uh -huh. Yep. Yeah. So it's like a family tree on steroids. Mm -hmm. And it's and so we talk about family, we talk about experiences in childhood. I don't spend much time in the past, but we do to just to figure out the core beliefs and then really sort of focus on what has been the client's picture of him or herself and how tightly does he or she hang on to that? Because when you have this tightly held picture of yourself, you have very rigid rules about life. You have very rigid expectations and you don't allow for change and growth. It's wow. this very all or nothing thing. So I have to get to the bottom of what is going on with all of those different pieces. Then we work on letting go of the negative and increasing self-value because a lot of the time, the reason why individuals don't do this self-work and get to the bottom of what they want is because they don't really think they deserve it. Mm -hmm. I, why is that so common? I, I, I feel that it's something that's being said a lot, especially right now where a lot of people are spending a little bit more time alone in their own thoughts or I guess sometimes by choice, but now they have kind of have to with what's happening in the world today. But we're really focusing on the mindfulness. And I see that that issue still keeps coming up and it's unresolved. And that unresolved issue can turn into a major problem, a personality trait for them if they don't pay attention to it. Is it that they're holding on to the identity of whatever that is too much, where the, it's the uncertainty part that makes the, it freaks them out and gives them extreme anxiety? Yeah, it's it's typically something that either happened in childhood or they made meaning out of something that happened to them in childhood, whether it's accurate or not. It's the meaning that they made out of it. And so it's buried deep, deep within them and affects everything they do. And it might be so automatic that they don't even know that they're having the thought. They just experience the feelings and the emotions that go along with it. And it could be because they didn't receive the sort of attachment that we need as children. Maybe they didn't get unconditional love and acceptance. Maybe they were judged on their accomplishments and they didn't measure up. There are all sorts of things that can contribute to us creating these stories about ourselves in childhood. Okay. And I wrote this and I'm, I'm pulling out a piece of paper and it was, I just had nothing to do with me prepping for, you know, this, you know, amazing conversation. I didn't know it was going to go here. And I actually wrote this down. There's four different ways of looking at your memories and looking at that. It's like catastrophic, you know, evaluation, losing control and uncertainty. And I sort of writing those out because your strongest memories come from like a story, place or emotion. Mm hmm. So when you're looking at it in your, and I started reverse engineering something, this had some, something to do with a client and this guy is looking for me to help his business, but I'm breaking him down. And he, he's wondering why, like, 
why is he asking me all these questions about me? Because you're the head of the snake. You control everything. Oh, yeah. I need to ask well, these. I need to know this. Right. Yeah. We don't check ourselves at the door. So business mm -hmm. is oftentimes where these, these negative, critical self-beliefs come out the most. Mm -hmm. We hold ourselves back. We miss out on opportunities. We're perfectionist and get bogged down in the details instead of actually getting stuff done. Whatever we have personally, we are bringing to the table in business. And oftentimes people don't recognize that. Right. And them not being able to recognize that if it keeps going in the direction where they don't, then they don't realize why they're hitting a certain level and they're plateauing on their results. Exactly. It's because no. of their limiting beliefs. Right. And that's something you talk a lot about. And I love that what you wrote is like, you know, you talked about, you know, how limiting beliefs and specifically, you know, perfectionism, you know, retract us from actually getting to that next level. Like, like expand on that if you can with, for the listeners, I know what you mean by it, but expand yeah. on that for the listener. I think it's important for people to understand what that actually does for you and does actually prevent you. I'll, I'll just give you my own personal story, which is a, an example of that. I, from when I was young, I remember having a conversation with my dad and he was a single parent and what the meaning that I made out of this conversation, he said to me, look, you're the smart nerdy one and your sister is the fun outgoing one that everybody likes. Now he was a great dad. I'm not blaming him. He was probably complimenting me about how smart I was and how well I did in school. But I left that part out of my story and focused on that meant I was smart. That's all I have. And when it comes to everything else, I'm not enough. Yeah. My whole entire life up until age 49, I limited myself from so many opportunities because I was a perfectionist and I told myself, if I'm not already good at it, I'm not going to do it because I can't handle making a mistake. Wow. Everything changed when I realized that and let go of that. Mm -hmm. Now life is one big experiment and I'm every day stepping out of my comfort zone, pushing myself to whatever that next big goal is. And I love it. But mm -hmm. 49 years couldn't do it completely within the comfort zone, missed so many opportunities. And if I wanted to sit down and think about it, I would have a lot of regrets, but I don't do that. Right. Yeah. You got to focus on it. Like, I'm so grateful that I had an opportunity to come yeah. to this realization now after, you know, that amount of time. Exactly. You, probably, you exactly. probably went back and you can reinvestigate some of the other memories that you do have pertaining to your childhood and realize how much that actually, I guess, steered you away from you really over overachieving in certain areas where you never thought you would ever, ever have ever do or have an opportunity to, because I, that's something very similar. And that's why I touched on that with you because I'm a recovering perfectionist as well. <laughs> like a hundred percent. Like I'm now I have a rule If it's done up to 70% of my expectation. I get it out there. Yes. Yes. I have to get it out there because it's never going to be perfect. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, and it was like, oh, I'm going to wait till this is done to be able to do this. And I'm like, there's never going to be a perfect time for you to do anything great. No. You just got to get it out there. And from that failure, from the setback, because I don't like to use the word failure. It's just a setback and a learning opportunity for you. Yeah. It's and just you, a way of, 
increasing your data bank. Yes, 100%. There is no failure in my, in my eyes anymore. Right. There was nothing but failure before. Do you sometimes, and this is something maybe not really off topic, but I know that I've been studying a lot of how us as humans remember our dreams and the pre, you know, the prefrontal, you know, obviously cortex, right? It goes to sleep when you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And I've studied, and a lot of people, and the reason why I've been studying on this is because I've always had a hard time of following the sleep. Always. But I, more so, like not recently, I'm talking about like maybe a year ago. Mm -hmm. Now I can go to sleep like a baby, like pretty quickly after I go through my grateful, you know, grateful um, routine. I go through what I need to. I say my prayers. I, you know, I watch, you know, because obviously my daughter's not here. I just have to watch a couple of videos. I watch all the videos and it, that helps me, you know, stay connected, obviously, with this COVID stuff and all the things that are going on in my personal life. I just have a routine. But before I would have to have a TV on or something like that when I went to sleep to put me asleep. But I've now mm -hmm. I'm able I'm I'm actually remembering my dreams so much more, and it's it's ridiculous. Like, do you talk about that also with your clients, like about dreams and 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 how your brain operates when you are sleeping? I don't I don't do a lot I, of dream work, but it is very it's it's interesting to me because it sounds like before your anxiety might not have been as under control as it is now. You didn't. You know, I would, I would, yeah, I had a panic attack. Right. You were avoiding your thoughts. And the thing that I've noticed about panic attacks and clients is they oftentimes either happen as they're trying to go to sleep or they do wake up in the middle of the night and have them out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And my, my working hypothesis, I haven't done any scientific research on this, my working hypothesis, just based on the clients that I've seen, is the reason for that is that is when you release complete control over your life is when yes. you go to sleep. And we have a need for control. The mm -hmm. need for control drives our anxiety. And we often the reason for that oftentimes is that we're focusing on things we can't control and we want to control them instead of spending our time and our focus on what we can control in our lives. Mm -hmm. But I think that's why panic occurs so often as you're trying to go to sleep or in the middle of the night is because there's the complete realization that I'm letting go of everything if I go to sleep. Right. And yes. And, and you're a hundred percent spot on. And I know that we talked about that, uh, you know, to a very much of an extended kind of conversation about my anxiety. And when I had a panic attack, I didn't know I was having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. I've never experienced one before, but where I, I was, I thought I was going to die. Yeah. I've always had a high level of anxiety. Yeah. I didn't want to leave the house. And I, and then I started studying a lot more about this. this is, you know, of course I'm so grateful. I'm so, I'm so blessed individual that I was, I've been, I was able to, at this time in my life, in this stage of my life, granted, you know, I've had all this business success, but I had a lot of like personal you know, failure in, in relationships because I had, what was, I was so egotistical and that was part of what it drove me in my business career is that that ego, I can definitely serve me, but it didn't serve me in my personal life. And I was like, well, damn. And that, that, of course, this is obviously, you know, you know, fast forward, you know, about 12 months, about 11 months, I've been really 
working on the cultivation of silence and self-investigation. And I think that's what it's led me to attracting people like yourself that are on that type of frequency and have the knowledge and understanding on how this, all this stuff works. And something I did identify, and I wanted to ask you this question, and I know this doesn't really pertain to like, you know, limiting beliefs and whatnot, but then again, I think it does. And that's why I want to ask the question, people that have a compulsive disorder, like they're OCD about certain things and not to kind of give, you know, my father listens to all my stuff and this is nothing to shame my father's and put a, you know, like say this is wrong with that. He has a, he's compulsive about certain things like locking the door, like his truck outside, he'll tap on the window. I'm not sure why he's tapping the window. Like he'll go with a set of his, set his alarm clock and he sets his alarm clock how many times he does it. And I went back and did a lot of like self-investigation and, and really studying on this topic. What it is, he has a deep fear. If he didn't do something, that's why he has to do it so many times to ensure it's done right. Then I went back to even further about him being a sole, you know, provider of the house. Mm-hmm. Like he woke up late. He can't go to work. He's going to lose an opportunity. He's, he's pr- pr- protector over our family. So make sure the door is locked. Those types of deep fears for himself. And that comes from what he values. And that's what yes. really sparked. Yes. Okay. That's what so, really sparked this. Yeah. Go ahead. Please, please expand yeah, on that no, for me. Well, there's not much for me to expand on because you're right on the money. I was going to tell you that the whole reason he checks and double checks these particular things is because he is so scared of making a mistake when it comes to the things that are most important to him. Yes. I have one OCD sort of ritual that I do and it's, it's, it doesn't really impair me, but I know why it is. And sometimes I'll have to ask my husband to come up um, behind me and do it for me is that um, my mom died in a house fire when I was four years old. I'm scared of fire. I'm scared of a candle being lit when we go to bed. I'm scared of leaving the stove on. I'm scared of the toaster oven being plugged in. So before I go to bed every night, I check everything like every night, even though I think I've turned the stove off. I think I've done and I have to like unplug the toaster oven. All of that just comes from a fear of my house going up in flames and losing my family. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I'm very in touch with, with what, drives that. And it doesn't really get in my way. It's not something I spend a lot of time doing. It's just one little thing at the night, but, but I understand what motivates it and drives mm-hmm. it. That's when you really can. It's like, we, we, we talked about it before, you know, Greeks had this saying, it's like, know thyself. And then one of the biggest illusions about that, and no one really knows themselves, especially now because we're distracted by so much technology and so many things that catch our attention. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at even what's happening right now, and I'm not going to get into the election conversation, but even what's happening, there's a lot of manipulation happening and people not knowing the real deep story behind certain things. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and it's sad to see, I didn't even know what was happening a couple of days. I didn't know what was happening until someone sent me a text message and told me what was happening. And I was like, stop watching the freaking news, you know? So and these people are just, you know, so much hate, so much anger, but they don't know what's actually happening. And that's mm-hmm. where people are just, they're controlled by so many other things that they just need to take a step back and be like, okay, what do I, what do I value? And you, you mentioned, and, and you know, I'm sorry about your mother and, and it's obviously what's led you to where you are right now. 
like having that something, something like that happen at a very young age for you. How much has that had an effect on you at an early part of your life for you to go back and, and really investigate? I mean, I mean, I'm, the reason why I ask that question is a lot of stuff has happened to me at, at a very young age. Do you feel that that shaped you and made you a little bit more, I guess you say not bulletproof or a little bit more equipped with the right tools that are actually overcoming and thriving in, in really difficult situations? I think it did once I did the self-analysis and the okay. self-work, you know, in some ways, I think I was a little bit guarded and suspicious and was afraid of people leaving me. So I it didn't want anyone to get too close. I would push them away to see if they really wanted to come back. I mm -hmm. think that We're happened. So alike. We're so alike. <laughs> um, and and I, I didn't recognize I did that even with my husband before we were married. Bless his heart. I'm not really sure why he stuck around and, and asked me to marry him, but thank goodness mm -hmm. he did. Um, because I, you know, I even did that with him. I'm like so afraid of someone leaving me that I probably pushed him away several times so that, to give him the chance to prove how much he loved me and that he really wouldn't leave me for good. But I think what, what did come out of that, that is my superpower when it comes to counseling and coaching other people is I'm extremely empathetic. Like I can, when you're sitting across from me, whether it's via zoom or it's in my office, like I can just about feel what you're feeling as you're telling right. me about it. And, um, that really helps me and drives me to come up with a treatment plan for that client or come up with a plan for that, that person that I'm coaching to get them to not just that place where they're not anxious or depressed anymore, but to take them to the next level that they can't, they, they can't even dream of right now mm. that I've gotten to from where I was. Right. I'm going to ask you a question and I'm asking, and this is why I love about podcasting is because when I have people come on the show, it's like, I'm asking in a very selfish way, but then again, it helps so many listeners because I'm yeah. asking for, my, I'm just curious because I'm asking for my own sanity. I we're so alike in so many areas and I'm extremely empathetic when it came to my business life. And when I was asking questions on a tactical side to really feel and feel what they went through and putting myself in their shoes. Mm -hmm. But I really struggled with that in my personal life. Not because I wasn't able to feel their pain or feeling what I could still, it was, I can't turn that off. I could still feel it, but I would relate it back to my own experiences in life and people overcoming something similar. And I'd be like, what the hell is wrong with you? It's not that difficult. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it's just because they, yeah, I wasn't yeah. effective yeah. with them. I wasn't effective with them on the way, a normal way, because they, it was a different relationship that I had when I'm in business. My of course, you know, now through over three, over the years and thank God, I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful of obviously the positioning and the way that, you know, people look up to me in certain ways. I, I don't really have to explain myself now and they look at me differently, but in a personal relationship, they were like, why is he not empathetic? I'm extremely empathetic. And you don't understand that I'm trying to do it for your own good. Cause that's how I learned it through my father. It was very tough. And mm -hmm. I realized that that was a limiting belief. And so I've even had to go back through and, and figure that part out and investigate. Okay. I can't allow that training from my father, which is not a bad thing. 
It's just the way that he was taught. I mean, he was like, he's like done a phenomenal, but the way he was raised, it was awful, you know, mm-hmm. by his father, mm-hmm. but he's in a phenomenal job. And sometimes he can't catch himself. Like he'll say things outrageous to me and really hurt me with words. Cause he doesn't want to hurt me with his hands. Mm-hmm. If that, if that makes sense. So I've, that's the reason why I'm able to kind of be a little bit more on alert and understanding yeah. any type of day. De- yeah. But go ahead. I love this. Cause where do you, where do you, you have to turn it on and turn it off though? Like, especially in what we kind of do for a living. Yeah. Do you have to, do you have a switch that you just turn off or dial down? Like I'm asking just, just on a personal level. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like after the session, when I'm typing up my notes from the session for the file, I put it in the file and then I'm done with it. Okay. Yeah. I'm I would carry it with me. Done with it. Like I, I just completely leave it right there. I couldn't do what I do if I didn't do that. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I've got clients coming in, I'm assessing for suicide. Yeah. If, you, if you give yourself more control than you have in that situation and you ruminate about it and you think about it too much after the fact, you're going to feel responsible as if you can actually save this person's life or contribute to them dying. The only power that I have is in that 50 minutes that they're in my office and in my assessment of their problem and what I think I can do in session and for their homework, for them to carry with it. I cannot 100% control what happens after they leave my office. Mm-hmm. And if I believe that I'm in trouble as a counselor. Okay. So, and I love what you just said and you triggered something. I'm going to ask another question, a follow-up question to that. Since you, when you do kind of shut that folder after you take your notes and you kind of like reflect back on what it is, do you in the 50 minutes when you're in your session with that client, do you prep them on what to look out for if they start slipping back and trying to equip them with the tools to be able to overcome? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when okay. I'm doing my notes at the bottom of the notes, I put our next steps. So I'm evaluating what needs to happen in that next session based on what happened in that session Mm -hmm. within my theoretical framework. I have a certain order and a framework, but it it's going to depend on the actual client. So Mm -hmm. I'll put next steps in there, but as the client leaves the office, I will give that individual homework to do in between sessions. Maybe I am a therapist. Like maybe I'm a freaking therapist. Like a uh, Karina, it was one of the Karina, if you're watching and she watches all the episodes and I love her to death. She's one of the accountability coaches that helps students and, and people from different corporations and whatnot. We're contracted through Karina. If you're watching this, how many times have you heard me say, I'm not a freaking therapist. I'm here to do, you know I mean? <laughs> to do this with that buyer or do this with that student and do this with that company. But maybe the way that I ask questions is the way that I'm making me able to expose so much stuff because I make them feel comfortable during that time. And they're able to tell me I'm I'll ask I'm literally no bullshit. Like, excuse my language five minutes into the conversation. They're telling me their life story. <laughs> I, I go anywhere I go. People just walk up and talk to me. My, I mean, I when I go out to dinner with my husband, which we haven't done much lately, women in the bathroom, washing their hands, just start talking to me and tell me their story. It's like, wherever I go, he's like, did you make a new friend while you were gone? I'm like, yeah, yeah. always. Yeah. I, I, I just met somebody new. Yeah. I, it's so funny. I was like, I'm, I'm a huge, um, I'm huge on being private. I'm an extremely private person when it comes to my personal life. But then again, 
I think I'm the reason why I was being a little bit more private in my personal life is because I was trying to protect something and holding on to something. It was actually only thing for me. And it is when you make that transition mm -hmm. in business, like, you know, I, I made a choice and a decision that's led me to where I'm at right now to live my life in a fishbowl. I know exactly where I'm going, but my family didn't choose that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but I was a little bit more private because I was holding on to that. But then I have to, when I look back and really started investigating it, I was doing it because I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't want to admit that I wasn't putting in the hard work in my own personal life. I was able to do it. I was, I felt like I was le like, like living two lives. Like I was extremely successful, but I can do it on a, on a surface level in my personal life where everything was fine, but I was really failing in life. See, I would argue that you're not that much of a private person. You're protective of the privacy of the people in your life. Yes. But you're an open book as far as who you are and what mm -hmm. you're all about. At least it seems like it to me. That's what but, I was struggling. That's what I struggled with though. Yeah. Cause I, I turned myself into a transform myself into like not a people person anymore. I'm I'm now like I I love people, mm -hmm. but I don't you know like of course I keep my distance from the ones that you can't <laughs> convince them to do anything. You know what I mean? The ones that shouldn't be allowed to use technology or being allowed in public. But I love communicating with people. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know where I've, I I kind of like I lost a touch with that. Then I wasn't. I guess open or like open to those type of conversations. Like getting a, like an Uber, I'll get in like I'll go to Starbucks, I'll ask them questions and I ask them like, what, what's going on in your life? Like, what do you do for this? Is what you do for a living? I mean, you're going to school. Like, what else you do? And I, I just do this a lot. And people, they're now even for the past year, they're so much more open with me. Like, I've I've seen a huge transformation in my life. That's why I'm asking these questions. Yeah. Well, I think maybe at, at some point you weren't completely satisfied in all the eight domains. Oh, yeah. You didn't That's have it transition. all worked out yet. So you had a little bit of a barrier because you weren't completely happy with yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, that affects I love that. How you communicate with others. That was a that was a huge opportunity because you like, like where your head was at with that. You kind of picked up on where I was going to drive it with the eight domains. And, and not that I planned it on purpose. I was asking just, I guess, selfishly on that because I, I wasn't aware. I wasn't, I wasn't spending a lot more time to my own self because I was doing it for other reasons rather than doing for what I wanted to do and what I believed in my core values and going back into those. Mm -hmm. My values didn't change. It's just what it's the priorities changed. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, I took the same values that just they shifted a little bit on me, and I wasn't able to. I guess you would say make the proper adjustments in a timely fashion for everything to be aligned perfectly. So we were talking about a little bit earlier how I have sort of a weekly routine and a daily routine, yes. and the, the weekly routine is checking in with my eight domains and seeing if there are particular domains that are important that are more important to me that week because it changes. It, they can rotate, they can change based on where you are in your life. And then if there are any that I feel like I'm not completely satisfied in, I'm going to think right then and there about some actions and I'm going to put them on my calendar that are going to make me more satisfied and more fulfilled in that domain. So I check in I with all eight, prioritize them according to where I am that week. And then how satisfied am I? If I'm not, what actions are going to get me there? Then it goes on the calendar. So it gets done. I love it. 
how hard on you how hard on you on your clients with those eight domains do you periodically check with them as much as you're checking even on yourself because you know how important it is because you know how it is like if i didn't brush my teeth today and i didn't brush them again for three months my teeth are going to fall out but if i brush my teeth today and brush my teeth tomorrow i'm not going to see a huge change but that the small i guess micro changes every day are going to add up in life and add up yeah like how much how much what, what is your conversations like when you're trying to hold them in check with those eight domains well, so first of all, I don't expect anyone to do it exactly the way I do it. We really try to figure right. out what works for them individually. It's different for everyone. But in office, I will do that domain assessment, the satisfaction and importance. And I'll start with that. And then we will take each domain separately over the course of therapy or coaching, either one. And we will get down to what stories or limiting beliefs are getting in their way of their mm -hmm. satisfaction, what their values are, what's most important to them, and then the actions that they can take to sort of leap over the obstacles or the limiting beliefs and go straight toward their values. And right. I have right. seen time and time again, they begin to get more satisfied with their life, less depressed, less anxious. Then we start working toward Okay, what could a morning routine look like for you? How could that help you? And then I love that you did that just then, right? Not to touch over you just real quick. I love that you did that okay. just right there, that one touch point, because you, right when they are able to see some type of progress or to see some type of result and a positive result for them, a lot of people go, okay, I don't need this intensive type of help any longer. I figured it out. I can do this on my own. And I love that you hit that next touch point. And now that we are able to have a little bit more of a deeper conversation, now this where this where the hard work really starts. I love that you did that. Go ahead, please go ahead and expand on that. Well, that yeah. So if I can keep a client in the office long enough to know that they feel better, but that they could still feel even better mm -hmm. if they stay with me, and that there's. You know, it's kind of like an iceberg, right? You could be like sinking to the bottom of the ocean with your anxiety or your depression. And I can get you up to where you're able to breathe again. Mm -hmm. And you could go on about your way, but you're not you're not going to be as fulfilled as you could possibly be. If you stick with me, it sort of turns into the coaching part of it. I start to expand their minds a little bit more, dream a little bit more because they've mm -hmm. been completely right. limiting, completely in the box. They don't know how to think outside of the box. Mm -hmm. So now that we're able to go out and try in life, make mistakes in life, not focus on failure in life, what do you really want? Like not mm. what you think you could have, what in your wildest dreams do you really want and how can you get there? And right. that is just so much fun. It's really fun to in explored those opportunities for people that have never even thought about more than maybe a week ahead because mm -hmm. they're controlled by so much. Right. I mean, you look at your, you know, your futures are mystery for a lot of people and they really don't want to know, but the way I look at it, I mean, I don't believe in a lot of the, you know, the hocus pocus stuff and the psychics, but I do believe in you create what you put in and I've already created my, because what tends to happen and I don't, I don't know, maybe I, you share your views on this. People, when they say have deja vu, mm -hmm. to me, what that means, that means you're 100% aligned on where you should be at that moment in that cycle. Mm -hmm. 
That's what it means to me. I've experienced a lot more deja vu in the last year than I had probably my whole prior and my whole 38, uh, 38, 38 years of my life. Yeah. It, it was, it's been, it's been, and that's the reason I know that's for, I know that I have a strong conviction now that I believe that's true. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. nuts. I'll wake up at the same, like around the same time I'll wake up and I'll, I'll, I'll start paying attention to one, 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 two, 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 five, five, five. I pay attention to so many things that my mind wasn't impressionable to catch. Mm-hmm. But, but the whole thing is I knew all this stuff prior. I knew all this stuff prior, but it's a different level that now that because I'm, I'm actually, I'm eating my own dog food, I guess you would say a hundred percent because I was able to do it on a tactical side. And this goes out to all the listeners that understand this stuff and you're not really a hundred percent following through because my 10% was better than a lot of people's hundred percent in results because I was so skilled on what I did. And I used my own emotional intelligence coming, stemming back from my childhood. I was so good at what I did, but that my 10%, I was better than all theirs. I didn't have to work as hard, but I worked harder in different areas. Now mm-hmm. it's, it's effortlessly. I do it effortlessly with people and I'm able to live it and I'll, and I'll walk away from, it. I'm not carrying anything. My anxiety levels went completely down and, and I'm, I'm able to live a beautiful life, but I'm still not being able to fulfill will feel fulfilled in certain areas of my life because of, you know, obviously what's happened in the world, but I've let go of the control side that I, I it's now I say it's happening. It's already, I've already manifested. It's just going to, it's going to come into fruition is I've already put it out there. It's coming my way. Mm-hmm. I just, it just hasn't happened yet because me creating that. I mean, what is your thoughts on the man, you know, manifesting and creating the life of your dreams rather than you, I guess you would say just hoping and wishing things would be differently. Well, I that is why we have to get the, to the bottom of our limiting beliefs. Because 100%. truly, if you tell yourself you cannot do it, you never will. Mm-hmm. You just never, you can have all these opportunities come your way. It can almost fall in your lap. But if you don't believe you can do it, you don't believe you deserve it, you're not going to get it. Right. Flip to the other side of that. If you do believe you can get it and you do believe you're worthy of having it, then you are much more likely to take the actions to set yourself up to receive it. And I do think that we do have to take action. I don't think that things just completely fall in our laps. But if you're telling yourself you can't do it, your eyes are going to be closed to the opportunities and therefore you are going to miss out. You're, you're not zoned in. You're not even using your principal vision at that point. Like something might happen over there that it might change your course of action for you to be able to put yourself in the right situation. You're talking yes. about putting yourself in that position. I, that's how I, I've, I've shared this with someone. I can't remember whose show I was on. I think it was on, I think it was Adam's, our mutual friend. Um, I think it was Adam's show. He talked about like, listen, man, like I, I don't wait around for things to happen. I'm more of a make it happen type of person, but I'm, I'm high. I'm really aggressive, but then now I've learned where I'm just a hundred percent prepared. That's what makes me yeah. feel. I'm just prepared for anything. I can care less what's going to happen. Like, I don't care what you're going to do, but I know what I'm going to do if that happens. Yes. Adam is very stoic. You know, he reads his mm-hmm. stoicism and, and, and it's very much, I'm going to control everything that I control. 
mm-hmm. going to be on top of my game. I'm going to know what I know. Yeah. I'm going to have confidence about what I know. And my eyes are going to be wide open. And when that opportunity comes, I'm going to seize it. It is not mm-hmm. getting by me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm ready. Like it doesn't matter. Like yeah. I'm going to get it because like, I've I've already put myself in like a more of an imagery type type of technique and exercises with myself of being in the future. Not as much like you know I have certain parts of the day when I'm trying to really imagine because if you can imagine it, then you can do it. Yes, yes. But if, when you're not when you when you can't think past the next week, like I'm making moves right now in business where I'm looking at probably the next five to ten years. Where previously maybe, and I did, very, and I've done very well for myself. I'm very blessed, and I'm, I'm just so fortunate. Individual, I would only be able to see up to about three years, and things started getting a little bit blurry for myself. Mm-hmm. I know exactly where I'm going and what's going to happen. I know the next, I know the next like 25 moves that I have to make. I'm playing chess now. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. When you and when you let go of anxiety you can begin to do that when you're very anxious and you think about this three-year, five-year or 10-year goal, it's automatically overwhelming, right? Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. hard to get to the actual steps to take. It's very easy for your mind to say to you, I don't have time or I can't do it. Mm -hmm. But those are the two biggest limiting beliefs. Would you say? I, I think that they're the three biggest core beliefs at the bottom of everything are I'm not enough. I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. But we have plenty of offshoots from that. Yeah. Your limiting beliefs that come off of those are going to depend on where you live, the society around you and your own upbringing. So like I'm a female from the South. Right. So we're taught to sit still, look pretty. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that song. I'm not going to sit still and look pretty, Um, which means we're kind of taught that confrontation is wrong. Yes. We're kind of taught that everybody must like us. We need to be quiet and polite, not loud and abrasive, not aggressive. Mm -hmm. So we can attach to all of those shoulds, which can become limiting beliefs to us. So everyone's going to be a little bit different depending on their society that they're around their Mm. culture and their individual upbringing right how diverse have you become over the years with all the knowledge that you had to gain and what you do for a living oh i'm i'm completely and totally to the point where i don't judge anyone for anything right just a complete what i call respectful curiosity Yes. I want to know. About I, like, I like that. I like the way you said that. Yes, that's a hundred percent. Go ahead. I want to know what your culture is, how your culture affected you, how your culture helped shape what you believe, what is mm-hmm. important to you, what you value, how it affects you. So, I mean, you come into my office. I try not to assume anything by the way that you look. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you because you are the expert in you. Do you have any religious or spiritual beliefs? If it's something that I'm not educated in, will you explain to me a little bit about what that is for you? Um, Mm -hmm. How do you identify? I'm not going to assume that you're heterosexual. You know, um, how what what is going on in your life that creates the the complete Mm -hmm. being that you are? I don't assume that it's anything like me. 
I'm right. well aware of the amount of white privilege I carry around with me on a daily basis. And, 100%. Um, so that's just, if I met you in my office, if I met you on the street, that's how I view you. I was explaining that. And I'm glad that you mentioned something like, cause obviously the world we're living in right now, there's a lot of things have been rehashed, especially with the election and, and you know, black lives matter. Like, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. You know, they do matter and everything, everybody matters, you know? Um, no doubt. And I, and I'm, me being from the South and me growing up the way that I grew up, I'm, it would be stupid for me to say, and, you know, immature and ignorant for me to say that the roads weren't paid for me. The roads were paid for me and made it a little bit easier in certain situations. And I, and I'm a hundred percent aware of that, but I'm not going to shy away from that. I'll address it, but I'm not going to feel like I'm shameful or, you know, or yeah. any of that situation. But I yeah. will tell you this, if you stand next to me, I will outwork you. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I didn't, growing up, I just really was not aware of white privilege. I was completely oblivious to it because I was too busy limiting myself in my own yep. mind. I had the world in front of me. I could have done anything if my mind would have let me. Mm -hmm. Now my mind does not limit me and I am aware of where my starting block is. And no yeah. one's going to out, outwork me either. That's because we come from, we come from, okay, it's like we're giving out that illusion and, and we look good on, on as an outside. And what I mean by that look good is that we would pass that initial test where the roads were paved, but they didn't realize that where we come, I don't come from the right side of the tracks. I come from hard nosed work, like hard work, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. hard work. I mean, there's a beautiful, Charleston's a beautiful place if you're on the right side. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And I, I come, and that's where that comes from. Is that yeah. I, I don't get it twisted, like <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't get it twisted. I will out. I, I will run circles around people that mm -hmm. have done this for a year. I will run circles around them, and that's that's my competitive advantage, though, because I I've, I talked about that in your show. My mm -hmm. competitive advantage is I do it that hard and doing up that level is because I don't want to look at my sister in the face when I do pass over and her being judgmental to me, like this is what you did with your life, and I couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't, you know what I mean? You, you couldn't use this for, you know, as a way for you to propel and put yourself in the right situations. I'm not saying that, you know, that would ever happen, but that's the way I kind of have it in my own mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my framework is I really didn't get into what I'm extremely passionate about and what I love as far as my own personal pursuit outside of my family yeah. until I was 50 years old. I don't have any idea how much I how much time I le have left on this earth, but I'm not wasting any of it. Mm. I mean, I'm on a mission to help as many people as I can fully enjoy the lives that they have. Right. And that was something that I wrote down as well. Um, you mentioned some high pressure moments. Is that gonna has have is that equipped you to where you're able to, I guess you would say operate during those high pressure moments now that you've address certain things with yourself individually. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I know, I think I told you the story, but I realized I was about to graduate. I only had a semester left. So I was mm -hmm. 49 years old about to graduate with my master's in clinical mental health. And I saw this email one Sunday while I was in the cook kitchen cooking for the week. And it said, I mean, my heart stopped when I saw it and 
it just said I was going to have to give a presentation in front of an auditorium of educators. And I thought, well, that's it. I'm done. I'm quitting. That was the scariest thing. My biggest fear in the world, even though I had been a lawyer, I just could not. I, I was just so scared of making a mistake that I just didn't want to speak in public. I was afraid right. of the judgment. But I sat back and I thought about what I valued and I thought, well, I can't possibly have my own practice where I help others with anxiety if I don't graduate. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to do this. Put my values in front of me, you know, walked in that day, palms sweaty, heart racing out of my chest. And I spoke and I looked out at the crowd and I realized at that point. That was when I realized that my brain had been lying to me my whole entire life, telling me that I couldn't Mm. do it. I wasn't enough. I couldn't do it. And it was sort of like that epiphany. Wait a minute. It lied to me. What else has it lied about? And I don't have to believe my brain anymore. Yes. I don't have to just question everything. I start questioning everything. And I love that you just said that. Go ahead, please. So it was, it was then that I, realized that I was a perfectionist and exactly how much it was like my life came flooding back before me, all the opportunities. Yes, that is why I wouldn't do that. That is why Mm. I wouldn't do that. And so not with three months later. So I did the speech. I had that epiphany, that big moment. I was like, I, there's, I'm, there's nothing I'm not going to do now. Everything, the sky's the limit. I'm not going to do it. So I take my son to the high school state swim meet and it's at Auburn University, big swimming pool, big. I've I've actually been there, Uh, not to swim it, but I've been to, I've been to Auburn University. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just electric. There are so many swimmers down on the deck, parents going crazy, but I was looking down at my phone, trying to figure out when my son might swim and everybody was getting up on their feet, cheering, clapping, Mm. And so I stood up and I looked and I was like, what's all the fuss? You know, everybody's cheering. There was one swimmer who was far behind all of the others. And I quickly noticed that's who they were cheering for. And when I looked a little bit closer, I figured out why this swimmer had one arm and no legs. Mm. No up to where his bathing suit stopped, no legs, and one arm, the other arm gone at the shoulder. He swam the 100 freestyle, four laps, in under two minutes. And then, like I'm getting chills telling you the story, he pulled himself out of the pool, no assistance whatsoever. And I said, you know what? And I didn't blame myself. I didn't beat myself up. But I said, Catherine, Your brain has been telling you you can't do it your whole life, including when I was seven years old and wanted to be on the summer swim team and everything on my body works perfectly. Mm -hmm. That swimmer had so many reasons to tell himself that he couldn't do it Mm -hmm. and never did. All he told himself was, yep, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And right then and there, that was the, the bookend to that first part of the story. That was right. when I realized how many gifts I had been given that I wasn't allowing myself to use. Right. How many things that you've been taking for granted of, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, those things. Thank you for sharing. Uh, yeah. You told me the story, but you didn't go into all the d- extreme detail the way you just did. And I appreciate that because it means the world to me. Um, those are the things that inspire me is watching people let me be less and f- less fortunate, uh, maybe having disabilities, 
But that's what really drives me now today is that, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter what people have and what cards have been dealt. If you want to live as, you know, a beautiful life, it starts here. Absolutely. Completely. It starts and ends there. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's my biggest fear is losing my mind. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's cause I watched my, my grandmother, my granny, um, you know, you talk about like hard, hard nosed Southern woman. Um, and I think that's why I'm only attracted to, I guess not attracted physically. I'm not talking about like, as in like, um, like personality wise, I'm only attracted to really strong women mm -hmm. because my grandmother, she's just like, she'll, she'll rip your face off. My mother's strong in a different way. She's like the heart of gold. And, you know, it was, you know, so perfect example of a Southern bell, mm -hmm. but don't, don't hurt our children. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, mama bear. But, yeah. And she'll cut you, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but then I've watched her and that's something I've had to learn over the years. I watched my older sister, you know, breathe through tubes and all that type of way. And that's my experience in life. And then watching my mom have eight back surgery, breaking her back, beating cancer, my father working his ass off his whole life. And he still does. And, you know, and I look at people that, are less fortunate and they don't even, it is, and they have, or they not less fortunate. And you look at your life and they go, I can't do this. I shouldn't do that. And they have that sense of entitlement. It drives me insane. Um, I, I that's one thing to get my freaking blood, blood to boil is watching someone that have mm -hmm. all the gifts and all the things that they don't even are aware of. And then just sit back and waiting for things that no one's coming to save you. No one, your mama's not coming. Your daddy's not coming. I don't care who your priest, your whatever you believe. No one's going to really give a shit that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like other yeah. than you. That's a yeah. hard realization. That's, that's what fuels me now is looking back. I can either feel like I was incredibly wasteful with the gifts I had yeah. that I didn't realize, or I can use them double now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. And, then, and, and I would rather do that. How much do you communicate that to your children? And I know that's one question I wanted to ask and I just tipped it off my paper and I was something I haven't asked someone and that has all this knowledge when it comes to your know, human behavior and being, you know, a psychologist and looking at the limiting beliefs. How much do you try to communicate that to your children? It's something that I talk about with them all the time because I was anxious when they were younger, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I thought that I was making everything optimal for them so that they could go out and live their best lives. And when I yes. look back on it, I think, no, some of the things that I did probably came across to them as if I thought they couldn't do it and mm -hmm. I needed to do it for them. Yeah. So I'm making like sort of making up for that now as they're teenagers and young ad adults going, every conversation is a way to get to the bottom of what they want and what their choices are. Mm -hmm. So when they ask for my advice or ask for me, my help with their decision, I just ask the questions that let them know what they want to do. I love that. Yeah. And let them know that they are capable of doing it. So really to me, my job now at this point is to support them and draw out of them what they want their lives to look like. Right. Just, urge them to go after it. I love that because you're, what you're doing is now you don't have to physically go inside their body and pull out who they should be. And it's not going to be beneficial for them because you're always going to be doing it for them. It's giving them a complex. 
So my next question that led me to this is with your relationship with your husband. And I know that you have a phenomenal relationship and you've been praising him a couple of the articles. And I, and I really look up to people that have that type of relationship with a spouse because I, I, I was raised like that with my mom and my dad. And, and I haven't been able to really, I guess, I wouldn't say achieve that, but I'm saying for being fulfilled in that area of my life, a hundred percent, not that I didn't love whoever I was, whomever I was working, you know, was with at that time is not that, but us having that type of way of thinking and that knowledge is difficult for the spouse. Mm-hmm. If, because I found it in, in my, my journey, I and mean, it's just from my experience, they would say, don't student me or don't do this because they knew what I was doing. And I would ask the questions. Like, what is your approach with your husband with it's difficult. It's a hard question to ask and I don't want to get too personal, but what is your approach with that? Well, I think that when I was going through school, I would try to sometimes fast forward and help him solve his problems. Okay. That's where I feel too. Okay. But, you know, as I went on, I, I quickly realized that just like me, he doesn't want me to solve his problems. He wants me to listen to him and support him when he's struggling with something. Mm -hmm. So I know that I might be able to ask some questions once again to bring some clarity, but he doesn't need me to tell him what to do or Mm -hmm. tell him how to fix this in himself. First of all, he's he's one of the smartest people I know. Mm -hmm. So he's, I don't have to tell him anything about the situation. He's already analyzed it. He already understands it. So it's, it's, um, he's extremely intuitive and extremely sensitive in the strongest way. Um, So it's really, once again, being curious, being supportive, and maybe asking questions that might help a different level of realization. But Mm -hmm not telling him you need to do this, you know, right. and that's a lot of relationships. You should do this and why you should do this. And as their own stories mm-hmm. they are bringing into that and their relationship, maybe it could have daddy issues or having a mom issues could be living with shame, you know, in different cultures. Um, I've had to go back and, you know, do a lot of, you know, obviously self-investigation. That's why. And thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I don't want to, you know, obviously go too deep in someone's personal life and especially even in their marriage. That's a sacred thing. And I was just asking for my own, I am selfish ways because I was just curious because I I would just, I wouldn't say make an assumption to jump to a conclusion. It's just like, I know your problem and that people, when you say that you should do this, now they're going to be a lot more judgmental and a lot more resistant on whatever that is because I'm the one that's pointing in that direction and they don't want to take my advice. I would have to, I would have to do the same thing. I get it. I love it. Um, what advice would you give to some of the listeners out there on I know that and this is going to be a huge loop back on, you know, the limiting beliefs in, in being a perfectionist. Like I know that I know we'll post, we'll put everything in the show notes and driving people to you. Cause there's so many people that come to our show and listen for every single guest. And I, and I love this and thank you so much guys. But what are some ways until you're able to communicate with them and they are able to give you feedback and whatnot? Like what are some tips, I guess, from kind of starting off? Cause the world we're living in right now, it's, is it, you know, for people like you and what you do for a living, this is like big time. People are killing themselves. People are, you mm-hmm. know, 
self-sabotaging their own results with drinking narcotics and in, in, all the things that are happening right now in this world. That's a real pandemic. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100%. There's um, so much anxiety and depression. And I think that comes from the chaos that's going on in the world and this sort of helpless belief that we can't control anything. So I really um, work with clients to focus on, okay, what, what can you control? And when you start focusing on that, you start to feel a bigger sense of control in your life. But I think, I think perfectionists, you know, one thing that I would tell someone that I don't know that I, that hasn't been in my office is we tend to be very result oriented. Everything is about the end goal. Everything is about the result. We set the bar so high that we can never be satisfied with the result. If you could work on being process oriented rather than result focused. Love that. So what I mean is take this big goal that you have and don't spend too much time worrying about, is this realistic? Is this not realistic? Just whatever your big goal is, take that goal and then break it down into what would I have to do over the next however long. It could be a year from now. What would I have to do every month to get there? Let me break it down further. What am I going to have to do weekly to get to that sort of place at the end of this month? What kind of steps am I going to have to take daily? Break it down into the most, the smallest, easiest steps, then let go of the result and live the steps. Now you've taken the big weight, the anvil on your chest yes. off and you freed yourself to actually do those steps to the best of your ability by letting go of your focus on the result. Right. You're more solution-based oriented rather than looking at it in a problem-based and being confused. It really does help people with, you know, a lack self-confidence. Absolutely. Them, once they fall in love with that process, that it, it, it helps them. They haven't overachieved the overall goal, but they feel like they have a sense of direction and they feel that they, they have something happening. They need to yeah. see it. That's the world we live in right now. Everyone wants everything right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, it does that sense of accomplishment helps increase your self-confidence, right? Mm -hmm. And your self-worth because you see that you are making progress. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that is, that is one thing that, that all perfectionists can strive for and begin to work on. Right. Um, when you mentioned, we actually share one of our favorite quotes together. Um, and it's a Maya Angelou quote that talked about, because people always forget the things that you do and the things that you say, but they'll never forget how the way you made them feel. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou. What love that quote that you know, speaks, uh, resonate with that because of how much time, I put into the other person's thinking and their psyche. Like I'm, you know, like you see a lot of this happen in, especially in, in today's society or today's marketplace. And doesn't matter what industry they say they're customer centric, but they're truly not because their actions don't match up with those, mm -hmm. you know, at all. And the way that they're being, I guess you say perceived in a marketplace when they're trying to make money or whatever they're trying to do. That's the problem I see a lot of where, inexperienced salespeople or inexperienced coaches or inexperienced whatever they're saying that they want to help people, but all they want to do is they want to, you know, make money because they have to in today's society because of they have to make money. You, that's a difference between an entity and a business to me. 
a business's corporation protocol policies, these things, and make taking your company public, getting profit share, and doing those type of mark. That's business. You being a coach, or you having you being, I guess you would say having an LLC. You can grow that to that, but own it with your clients. And then that way they don't feel like you're trying to sell them something. And that goes out to the coaches out there. But how much do you see that where maybe some people that do have a little bit of knowledge, but don't have your expertise in graduating, getting your, you know, obviously, you know, stuff done. Okay. You put in that work. That's what makes you very effective and highly impactful pretty quickly with people. And I think it also comes with you being, being in tune with your own emotions and using it in the right way. What advice would you give someone if they're doing it for the wrong, wrong reasons and it's showing with your clients and maybe is it could be borderline narcissistic a little bit with their own tendencies and a little bit with their own actions because they're more I, 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 I rather than community, community, community and helping and serving. Like I know this, I know it's a loaded question, but I'm more like yeah. curious because something came across and I was a panel on a guest. I was a, a summit thing. And someone came up with that and I was like, and I kind I know where you're going to go with this, but I'd love to f- hear your thoughts on this for the listeners. Yeah. So I can't make anyone be what they're not. Okay. But what I can do for them is draw out what their values are so that their goals can bo- become aligned with their values. If you are driven by, if, if you are just trying to make money, let's say, but you're doing it a way that doesn't line up with your values, you're not going to be authentic and you're not going to be satisfied and fulfilled in your life. So what I do with my clients is what do you value is what you're doing as your pursuit or your career in line with that. If it's not, what else, what else can you do that is in line with that? What else Mm -hmm. would you like to do? What else do you have the skill set for that you could do, which would make you happier in that one area of your life and really happier and more fulfilled overall, because any goal that you reach that's not in line with your values is not, you're not going to feel that this big. You're, amount feel anything. you're not going to feel anything. You're not right. going to feel anything. And I, I have a 15 second rule when it comes to me hitting something, a goal or a milestone. I'm already, I'm, I'm already so beyond to the next thing that I don't feel it. Like I don't yeah, okay. That's just something that has to happen now. Mm-hmm. But of course I have the most meaningful, the ones that are obviously tied into my value system. And yeah. that's what you're talking about. I think that's what's so important and impactful for listeners to understand. Like everything you do is goes back to their deep inside of them and their core values. And if they're not in a line, you're going to have a hard time in. Yeah, you're not going to feel good about who you are. And at the end of the day, that's what we need more than anything else. Mm -hmm. If you feel good about who you are at the end of the day, then you're doing all right. Right. The Let me kind of frame it this way. And I know that we're we're running out of time. I want to be conscious of your time and how much time you have, you know, we have left um, for the listeners as well. I don't want to hold you up. But I just get, I, I, this happens every time I have someone great like yourself that comes on. I love what Thank I do you. so much. You're welcome. But I just can't help it because I, I just get morally curious on certain areas of opportunity. But when I'm looking at sometimes and I'm looking at life and I'm looking at business, a lot of people get really confused. I don't coach anyone individually anymore. I haven't for years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just been in a, in a good situation and growing. I'm still serving. I just do it in a different capacity now. I mean, there's... Mm-hmm. 
broke over two million downloads in a year in in the podcast, which blows my mind. You know, and the feedback that we get every single day. You know that people send it, and I read every single thing. Everything takes me an hour for Mm -hmm. every day. I read all the feedback. Um, just and then I write out certain things. So I do pay attention to James Corb. No, not Corbin. Colin. James Colin sent something and it touched on this. And I actually was writing this down. When I'm looking at certain areas of opportunity, a lot of people, when they go, I want to be able to make eight figures and nine figures and 10 figures and having that business of my dreams, but they're in the wrong industry. Mm -hmm. And they wonder why they're having so much resistance when it comes to growth. And they go, I can't, I can't, I don't know why I can't get to this next level. And I do this because you're in the wrong industry. And you touched on something and I'm going to keep going right back to this and hitting on this button. It goes, it has everything to do with what they value and what they don't value in life. And they go, well, you're not teaching me anything to where I feel like I'm going to get to those numbers. And I'm like this, you think this has, what I'm talking about right now, it has nothing to do, with, it has everything to do with business. If you think it has nothing to do with business, it has every freaking thing to do with business. Everything. Because if you know yourself and knowing what's happening, you can make the right adjustment. I'm training people for who they should be, yes. not who they want to become, who they should be. That's mm-hmm. how I train companies and corporations. That's how I'm able to do with it. And that sounds like to me that we live and die by that same core value when it comes to us serving the marketplace and serving people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you're, if this person's sole focus is on the amount of money that they make, it's sort of like not seeing the forest for the trees, right? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. You're not, you're not taking the steps. You're not, you're you're from the South for sure. (laughs) You're from the South for sure. I love that. I haven't heard that saying in a while. (laughs) You're fishing with the wrong lure, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, so you have, it, it has to be more of, this is what I want to do with my life. This is where my gifts are. This is where my passion is. And if that's where it is, I will find a way to make money doing it rather mm-hmm. than I want to make money. How can I do that? Yeah. I um was asking that question to somebody else. And they were, um, they were like, I kept telling them they weren't ready. You know, we're like, well, we're, that's really judgmental. I'm like, I'm not saying that to hurt your feelings. I'm just shining a light on something. I mean, if you're going to meet with a serious investor and you're looking to have them invest $5 million into an idea of yours, I mean, did you look at the, did you look at the value proposition? Do you look at the qual and final ways of being able to grow that? Did you, what do you do? Is it something that you do that is in the best in the world? It has nothing that you can't patent it. It's not even, it's not even controlled by you. And why do you think that you're able to make that type of deal for someone investing into your business opportunity when you don't own a damn thing, anyone can do it. And they got upset. But a year later, (laughs) they sent me a message and said, I appreciate you doing that because it let me know that I was in the wrong industry. Ah, there you go. I was in the wrong industry. It's like, of course, because everyone's looking for the shiny object bullshit. Mm-hmm. I need to make money, make money, this, 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 this. I've been screaming for the last forever. Like money is just a, it's a byproduct, just a tool, man. Like once you, but people pay you for your value and they'll be happy to do it. I ask for the outrageous now and just seeing if they're going to be able to do it. And that kind of keeps me in check with 
how how do I value myself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I That's mean, important. Do you have- it's important that you say that because I work, especially with women, on their lack of self-value really affects what they ask for from other people and, mm-hmm. and how they price their services. Yes. So even as a business coach and consultant, which I am to different people, we work on the self-value component on the front end. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't value yourself, you're always going to be selling yourself short, not asking for your worth and doubling the amount of work that you do for what you're paid. Right. I ask a lot for deposits. So I'll say, you know, and I have it, like I said before, this only comes when it comes to like entrepreneurs are trying to get to the eight figure type of numbers. I only work with people of having already a, a, a sustainable business model. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And people come to me now for more of investment, I guess you would say advice, but I won't even look at their portfolio. I won't look at anything until they pay me a hundred G's up front. And when they pay that up front, I don't do it as much now. Obviously I'm focusing on Winject studios and Winject radio and all the other things that I'm doing now. But I asked for the outrageous just to, just to get that buy-in from them. Doesn't mean that I'm going to keep that hundred K if I look at everything and I don't want to be involved, then I'll re you know, it's obviously refundable. I don't, if mm-hmm. I put it, I don't take that money to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. I take that and I take your investment and take that deposit just in case I pick you up as a client or I'll pick your mm-hmm. business up. And that's important. Yeah. And you only want to work with people who you know are invested on mm-hmm. the front end. And that money is a symbol. Yes. It's that's all it is. That, I love you said that. It's love that you said that. Of their level of, of their intent. And intention and also respect that they have on you and they see that you have the value of what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. I love that you mm-hmm. just said that because it's a lot of people are like, why are you so expensive? That's not, ex- I'm not expensive. I know my value and I know how much my time is worth. Mm-hmm. My time is the only, time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So if I'm looking at something, uh, you know, paperwork or portfolios, I'm looking at an opportunity that may be giving you advice. I emerge myself so much into you that I feel like I'm you because I need to know. But if I'm going to put that much effort in into that for you, that's how I'm able to hold myself to a high standard because my advice means something to me. That's why you see the end of my name, a little rights reserve. That's mm-hmm. the only that's one of my mom told me when I was a kid. You got one name. You ruin that, it's over. So that's my respect, my value of who I am. Mm-hmm. So when I, and I wanted to ask that question because a lot of people, they get really confused, I guess you would say, and I'm not trying to get into like um, a sexist type of talk because I see it a lot with people that, especially women, are really good at what they do, but they, they undervalue themselves when it comes to their price. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, they, and, they, and they just, and they actually... What they do is they come to their own mind with it and they justify it. It's a limiting belief. They'll go, I'm just trying to serve. It's not about the money for me. That's how they make peace with it. But that's it's wrong. A, that's just code for I'm not worthy or I'm yes. not enough. Right. And right. there are more female perfectionists than there are male perfectionists. And I won't go completely down this road. But what you just said is in line with a statistic that I read lately, which is 100 for a woman to apply for a promotion or a new job, she has to feel 100% qualified for it. Like she already has every single skill. Yep. A, man, a man, only 50%. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. And don't go they're for gonna, it. They're just going to put in for it. Just get it. Just to mm-hmm. see if they're going to get it. Mm-hmm. It, it. It's the judgment. It's the shame. It's a lot. It has a lot to do with it. And I see this a lot, especially when you're looking at um, women's health, like um, like fitness. Okay. And I see a lot of now people that getting their, um, I wouldn't say degrees, but getting their certifications and certain things and people, because obviously people are working from home now and doing more virtual events and a couple of podcasters that are coming on the network that they're asking me for advice on how to monitor. This is what I do. Now, this is what I do for companies. I'm just going to do it now for all the shows that we're going to have on our network, which makes me more excited because mm-hmm. I've been for the longest time. I've been working with major corporations, but here's the whole thing though is I'm able to go back now to work on people that are trying to get to those types of levels. I'm going to be highly more effective in a very fast pace that they're not used to working with because I'm, 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 I'm able to experience that eight, nine, 10 figure type of way of understanding business. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to make me so impactful now. So I get ex- I'm excited about this, but just doing it in a different way. But I've noticed now that just with the, that type of those type of conversations, early parts, of looking at their shows and looking at what they're trying to accomplish. They don't even know what's possible. Yeah, They exactly. have no idea what's possible. And that's, you know, that brings us all the way back around to limiting beliefs and, mm-hmm. and really what you say to yourself, the, the most important words you say are the ones you say to yourself in your head. A hundred percent. And especially when no one's listening, like, I mean, because when people say you say stuff in your head, but I'm when no one's around you, Mm-hmm. You're a little bit more, I guess you would say, expressive with your own thoughts mm-hmm. and the way that you talk to yourself. Now, mm-hmm. I used to I used to make sense of it and then come to terms with it. I'd be like, I'm just hard on myself. No, I was negative self-talk and I was beating myself up. I was hard yeah. on myself because I felt like I wasn't worthy. Yep. There you go. There you I go. love this conversation. And I hope the listeners, okay. it's just I, every comment, I look forward to many, many, many more. So, and I look forward to, okay. you know, obviously our show coming out. Thank you so much for all the, I wouldn't even say golden nuggets. They're like freaking truth bombs. <laughs> <laughs> like, go well, back and yeah, re-listen to this 50 times if you have to, listeners. I've had I've had the best time talking with you. And I can't, I'm always ready for our next conversation. When we mm-hmm. want to, you know, when we get to the end, I'm already thinking about what the next conversation is mm-hmm. gonna be. Right. So I've really enjoyed being on your show. And I can give you a link for the show notes for your Please. listeners to get the free assessment of their domain so they can go down and actually see where am I, I satisfied, where am I not? I love that you said that and I appreciate it. I would love to look at it as well. So when you send that link um, over and that was the next part of what I was going to say is like, where can we find you? Cause we, we, I try to do is I do the intros and stuff like that afterwards in the show notes. That way I'm saving the conversation for what we talk about and I'll take yeah, it yeah, to yeah. pieces and it, it makes it more impactful, but I'll blow, we'll blow you up in that thing. Cause I, there's a lot of people that, I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful. I, I just can't wait to see what's going to happen in 2021 on, you know, the, all the areas of opportunity. Now I've, I've had so much success with the show and I'm so grateful for, but that gratitude and, and people feel that. Mm-hmm. And I just can't wait to do it for everybody else. Like I'm showing what, and, and that's why I learned it through Tony Robbins. He did like this virtual event where he saw all these things and like, I actually sent him a message like, thank you. I appreciate it. Now, you know, now I know it's possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just see when they see my success, when I look at I'm, I'm a complete reflection on a shared legacy on all the success I have had over all the years that I've had when come in contact with people indirectly or directly. I don't want them to view that. I'm, 
I look at every single person as a stepping stone and, and, and way for me to be able to learn something new, you know, yeah, and absolutely even absolutely. every show. So yeah, the, the link, so is it like, so the free, you have the free program that goes with that, right. With the understanding of the domains and where do they go to after that? So I'll, that's actually on my imperfect. I mean, that's on my empower counseling website. So I'll give you the link to that so that oh, they, okay. no, wait, I'll give you the link wherever it is. I get confused whether it's on my imperfect thriving and my empower counseling, but I'll send you the link so that everybody can get that. Okay. But to listen to the podcast, the imperfect thriving podcast, it is wherever you listen to podcasts and they can go to imperfectthriving.com. And I highly suggest people listening and tuning in for this. And I'm not talking about if you're just a woman or you're just a guy. No, if you are a human, <laughs> listen to the show because it is, I'm telling you that those are the best shows to me that have so much substance behind it. And you're so relatable because of over the stuff that you've overcome in your life. So relatable. And it's they people, I, I feel it when I li- I really emerge myself with people's content and I love your stuff. Love it Thank you so much. That means so much. I appreciate it. Welcome. And yeah, definitely send me over the the one for, I think it's coming. Is it coming out next week? Is it next week You're on your show? Yes, you are going to be on my show next Wednesday. So that's the 13th. Okay. Yeah. Send me anything and my team will definitely, you know, obviously do what we can do to support it um, for this show. And for the listeners who are tuning into this, do you have any questions, comments, concerns? I highly encourage everyone to fill out that feedback form and let us know any questions. I would love to have you on as a Q, like a, for a Q&A. And bring oh, you on this. Awesome. That would be and, so much fun. Because we had so much feedback. And maybe I usually try to do it. I used to do it in the same week to promote the show, but I'm going to do it maybe like 10 days after the show launches. Yeah. That way I have more, my team has more feedback. And like this person asked, it's really, it's impactful for the listeners because they get to hear their names. They get to hear some of the questions that they sent in. And I, I, and I think it's that. important. Oh, cool. Oh, thank I you know. so much. But I've had so much fun. Thank you. You're welcome. Enjoy the rest of your day and go. Um, you mentioned Auburn and I'm not sure if you're a Bama fan. I know they're coming up with a national championship, but whatever you, right? So <laughs> I don't even want to say it out loud because my Clemson lost. It yeah, it's okay. Me. I'm an Auburn fan, but I'm a Nick fate. I'm a Nick Saban fan. Yeah. I, everyone, I everyone should be, he's got a beautiful message. He's a great yeah, coach. I mean, he's great coach. Too- amazing at what he does so it's Mm -hmm. hard not to respect him like that even if you are for the rival team i'm a fan of him Mm -hmm. i well i come it's kind of like this um since Dabo um became the coach for clemson and i was there for his first game um i was there for his his first game and i knew where he come from and i knew he won a national championship was as a receiver and i knew you know obviously where you see a lot of that in the program that he's built over the years and created it's mm-hmm. the same type of feel in the, in the environment and the culture. It comes from that way of thinking. And they're like best friends. Oh, wow. They, they actually go to the same. I'm not going to tell everybody where they go. But I know exactly where they go in the off season. And they use the, their families. They have two different houses in the same area. Oh, I did hear something about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they, they spend, they spend a lot of time fishing together and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. So All right, cool. cool. But other than that, just take care, be well, enjoy the rest of your night and rest of your week. And I look forward to every conversation we do have, but I appreciate it. I'm very grateful for our conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. You too. All right, guys, y'all take care. Be well, be you, be great. Peace out.